Hello, I'm Eric Chabro with the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. I'm speaking with William Pelgrin, Director of the New York State Office of Cybersecurity and Critical Infrastructure Coordination. Thanks, Will, for taking time to chat. No problem, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. The office you lead combines protecting information systems, networks, and data, as well as the critical physical infrastructures of New York State. Why combine safeguarding the digital and physical into one office? Where are the synergies between the virtual and the real? My office is primarily focused on the cyber side of the house. The critical infrastructure side is more of a coordination role. The entity that's entrusted with that protection is the Homeland Security Office. However, the reason why it was important to have it as part of my agency's responsibility to at least coordinate the data associated with those critical assets is that uh, we really can't separate out any longer the physical from the cyber side of the house. History has proven to us a physical attack can have major cyber consequences as well as a cyber attack can have major physical. So it's really essential that there is a relationship between the two and are no longer looked at in a stovepipe fashion. It's almost mind-boggling coordinating efforts to secure government IT, critical IT infrastructures among the federal, state, and municipal governments, as well as utilities, financial institutions, and other private sector enterprises. What are the successes in doing so, and what are the challenges that remain? Well, one of the things we did early on, and this is after the horrific events of 9-11, is that we started a public-private partnership because we really needed to ensure that the right people were at the table in a trusted environment, what I call a safe haven. We brought in all the major critical infrastructures from the private side. As you know, most of our critical assets are either owned or operated by the private side. So ensuring that this was a very inclusive process was essential if we were going to succeed in whatever the challenges that we were going to face post 9-11. From the cyber side, we're one of the first that started looking at those public-private relationships. So we brought in the financial institutions, the utilities, the telecommunications, the agriculture. And one of the best things that occurred to us is we developed a relationship. I would love to say that based upon my title or based upon somebody's position in, in their industry, that that should be sufficient. But as we all know, currently and for the future that I can see out there, it really is based upon a personal trusted relationship. So making sure you know who those people are, uh, having them at the table and having that conversation in that sort of trusted environment is absolutely essential, both from a sharing of information perspective, but also from a response perspective when something uh, happens, whether that's man-made or natural disasters, this needs to be an all-hazard approach. So what are some of the challenges in continuing or, or developing that relationship? I'm not sure if it's a challenge. I think it's an ongoing process. It's an evolutionary process. I'm a big believer. You don't plan it out to death. I'm a real deliverable-oriented individual. So this is one that just is growing and increasing over time. As human beings, we have this ability to fall into complacency sometimes. And so if that's a challenge, the challenge is to make sure that we keep at the fore how important this is and that this is essential for our future to be as secure as we can be. But I'm really pleased that every year I ask each of the major sectors whether or not this activity that we're we're in this public-private work group activity is something that's important and should be continued because something that came out of those tragic events of 9-11 may or may not be still important now in 2009, and I'm pleased that every sector has agreed and sees the value in, in moving it forward. One of the evolution of this is how do we make sure that it gets beyond those that are just on the phone calls? You know, we try to include every company that wants to participate and every public sector entity that has a relationship on the subject matter, and then to cross-sector that because of the dependencies and interdependencies. 
released. So every other month we bring them all together on an interactive webcast to share cross-sector lines, well, how essential that it is. The next phase of this is to making sure that we have really incredible depth of penetration into the sectors that we're trying to provide a value add to. That's always a um, issue of who's out there, who you know, who's the right person to communicate with, and making sure that they get the appropriate information that they need in order to help both mitigate or protect their systems. There's several bills before Congress now to reform the way the federal government governs information security. And also, as Congress considers these bills, there's talks about getting private sector buy-in to protect the infrastructure. And there's debate whether or not there needs to be some kind of incentives to get the private sector to be cooperative. What advice would you have to Congress as they structure these bills? My counterparts in the, the private side who are entrusted with the, the security for their industry, whether it's cyber or physical or both. And what I'm always amazed at is everybody's trying to do the right thing. Everybody wants to participate in making a difference and improving the posture that we all face every single day. The challenges, as you know, are changing at lightning speed. This has to be with everybody at the table. This has to be an inclusive process. I think there's a willingness. I can tell you my experience is that there's absolutely a commitment and passion to improving our nation cybersecurity efforts at both the public and private level. Bringing them all together, making sure you have the right people together, making sure that there are environments that that really foster that meaningful, trusted communities of interest that allow for real cultural changes. Because one of the things that I'm always striving for is not just fixing a specific spot check of a problem that you may identify, but then looking back systemically and from an enterprise perspective is how can we improve the system so that we may be better able not to have that occur ever again versus, you know, in this department, that department, and down the road. So constantly looking at a bigger picture and making sure that the individuals that are around the table are, are part of that process because no one entity really has the answer. So that collective view is always so much more powerful than the singular view. Is it your feeling that there won't be a need to have some kind of regulation adopted to get cooperation? No, I don't know. I, I mean, it's a great question. I think that in certain cases, regulations have helped. In other cases, they have not. I think that if there is a need for regulations, that they should be really built with a community that's both public and private sector as to the appropriateness and the implementableness, if that's a word, of those regulations. One of the things that I can tell you in New York State, we have mandatory policies. We build those policies with the input from all the state agencies that I'm responsible for at a very core and, and substantive perspective. The other thing that I always ensure is that at the end of the day, that standard that I'm about to issue is able to be implemented. It does no one any good if you put a policy out there or a standard out there, even if you mandate that, if it really isn't able to be implemented. It may look great on paper, but it's not going to do many anybody good. So I'm of the philosophy that you constantly raise the bar versus setting it so high that nobody can ever achieve it, and therefore there's a failure immediately. With that said, there is a bare minimum bar that has to be set, however, though, where anybody who fell below that bar, the vulnerabilities or the threats and the, the expectations are just so great that it's unacceptable. But there's a huge gray area between that bar and the platinum bar, so to speak, of where we would all love to be. To me, that's an incremental approach. It's a day-to-day due diligence approach to keep moving that forward. That's Will Pelgrin, Director of New York State's Office of Cybersecurity and Critical Infrastructure. We'll hear more from Pelgrin in a second podcast, where he addresses the impact of the recession on government cybersecurity spending and how best to employ social networks securely. Till then, I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.